0: Tonight, we are going to be talking about dreams and illusions. Illusionists. Someone say illusionists. They are people, those that are gifted, who can trick our minds believing what our eyes do not see. Gifted illusionists, they have done amazing things, seemingly made buildings disappear, made themselves fly even and done stunt after stunt that appears to violate the laws of nature to deliver their product, the illusion. Just Google great stunts by illusionist. It's amazing with the internet now you can watch all kinds of things. Uh, but illusions, what those are, they are wrong perceptions of reality. But the greatest illusionist of all of them is none other than the enemy of our soul. For Satan is the grand illusionist. He crafted an illusion in paradise that once it was believed caused Adam and Eve to leave the garden, to step out of that place of paradise. And so he is a master of it. He is a master of deception. He's a master of destructive illusionist. He glorifies in detouring you and I from our purpose, causing us to go Different ways. Paul said of Satan in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. The NLT says it like this, that he disguises himself as an angel of light. The NIV, I like this, how they put it, that he, that he masquerades as an angel of light. Of light. That's what he does. He is the greatest illusionist. But I'm here to remind you that God's love and his law can triumph over every single one of those illusions of the enemy. Every lie of the enemy, God's love is greater than. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Genesis 37, and I want to illustrate it through this story... Genesis 37, we're looking at the life of Joseph and his father Jacob. And we're going to begin at verse 32. It says this that they sent, they being Joseph's brothers, sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. "'Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not.' And he knew it and said, "'It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days.'" And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him unto Egypt, unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, the captain of the guard. Of course, Joseph was Jacob's, son, his favorite son, who he gave that coat of many colors. And now he's brought this coat, bloodied. And all that he knows is that his son is gone. To Jacob, his dreamer was gone, his favorite child. I think in that moment, you can imagine some of the thoughts that were going through his mind. Devastation, grief, agony, a feeling that no parent should ever feel. Their child gone too soon. I'm sure he thought, I'll never see my Joseph again. I'll, I won't be able to be there for him. I won't be able to touch his hand once again or hear his voice I won't be able to experience his laugh I won't be able to be told the dreams that God gave him over and over thoughts going through Jacob's mind those thoughts that you would think when your child is gone but Jacob was wrong in his thoughts for it was all an illusion. What he saw, what he believed, all of it was a lie because the dreamer still lived. In our scripture, it tells us that, in 35, Joseph, or Jacob is saying, I'm gonna go to the grave mourning. Verse 36 tells us though, that that dreamer is still alive. And while all of the illusions were before Jacob, truth was still relevant, that that dreamer still lived. Years ago, Plato penned a story called The Cave. It revealed the awful hold of an illusion in the mind of a man. The story centers on a community of people chained together in a dark cave. They're unable or unwilling, actually, to leave the cave that they're in. In all their lives they're told this truth, that within the cave there is life, and outside of the cave there is death. Then one day there was one man who escaped that cave. He went out into the world outside, experienced sunlight and trees, grass, all the things that you and I see on a daily basis And what he found out was that life outside the cave was, in fact, beautiful. It was fresh. It was good. A reality set in that did not match the fearful imagination of those that was inside the cave. So he races back to the cave and he goes to the cave dwellers and he tells them all of this that, that I experienced something tremendous and spectacular. I went outside the cave and outside there's, there's fresh life. There's something for all of us. There's no chains to bind us out there. There's no boundaries to limit us outside of the caves. There's no perpetual darkness out there. All of our false... Thoughts are that. They're false. They're illusions. But the cave dwellers who knew no different, they ridiculed the man, thinking that he was, in fact, the insane one. And so much so that they rose up and they killed the man because they could not tolerate such a mindset. You see, in Plato's story, the one who knew the truth, he died. And those who lived a lie that bought into the illusion, they survived. The cave dwellers, they, they succumbed to this false reality. And they chose to live within the confines of their illusion rather than to face reality. They chose to live in that Illusion. And perhaps Plato's story, it suggests what Satan has done for thousands of years. For our soul's enemy is the creator and sustainer of destructive illusion. It is originated by him and from him. And he continues to bring illusion to each and every person that has ever walked this planet. In our text in Genesis 37, it was Joseph's brothers who made him disappear. They crafted an illusion to rid themselves of their dreamer. And what Joseph's brothers did in our text is indicative of Satan's motivation and methods towards you and I. And so what we see is that the deception, it began with hatred. He, they hated their dreamer. They hated their their brother because his dreams his dreams had ramifications for them that they did not like. That they would have to bow down to him and and so that hatred led to betrayal, kind of what we talked about last month in our in our series when we were going through offense and how hatred leads to betrayal. And they portrayed their brother. But Joseph's dream would eventually draw him into the role of a savior for, of his people. That's what his dream was about. And, and his life, the, the dream illustrated that his life mattered and his life counted. That it, his life was one of significance. That it would matter... Um, in the ways that he would preserve the people of God. And and so the dream brought life, but their illusion brought death. His wicked brothers would have none of, of the dream, none of the dreamer, and so they preferred dwelling, just like those in the cave, they preferred to live out this illusion rather than to face the reality of the God-given dream. It's the same way that the cave dwellers in Plato's story decided to dwell in the illusion rather than step outside into life, into good life. And I think that it's Satan's motivation, don't you, to keep us from entering into our God-given purpose. Because when we step into our God-given purpose, it has negative ramifications for him. When we step into the God-given dreams that he gives us, it does nothing but to destroy the kingdoms of darkness and hell. It, it's God's will for us to, to lead people into saving relationship with Jesus Christ in and, and whatever way that that looks like, it, to depopulate hell and to populate heaven. And, and so anytime you and I are living in God's will, exercising his purpose It has negative ramifications for the great illusionists. God's given dreams. I believe in them. I believe that God has a purpose for you and I. I believe that none of us are here by accident. And that God created us all for such a time as this. That we are living today because God wants us to live today. That we are in the church because God wants us in the body of Christ. We're not here just to clock in at 8 and clock out at 5 and to go home and to binge watch Netflix. We're we're not here just to exist, but rather we are here to exist for God's purpose and will. Every single one of us, it's it's why we wake up or why we should wake up in the morning and and if tonight you do not know your why, I encourage you to take some time in prayer and find out your why, why you exist, why you are created. That's why great companies are great companies, because they know why they exist. That's why great churches are great churches, because they are not lost in the secondary, but that they are convinced of their primary purpose, and they get behind God's will them as a church, as a body. And and that's why great people of God thrive in a world which is a destructive world because they know why they were born. Because God chose them for such a time as this. And so so God gives us dreams. He gives us purpose. He gives us a future. And God offers dreams while Satan offers dreams. Illusions. Notice that contrast. God gives dreams. Satan offers illusions. And God's dreams are those that, that say to us, you can achieve, you will conquer, you shall overcome. God's dreams for your life remind us that you do have a future, that you are not here by accident. In the God reality of life through his plan and purpose reminds us that his love conquers all things and that good triumphs over evil and that heaven wins the war. Things like we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's the reality of a God dream. That's the reality of God vision and God purpose. That is all wrapped up in it. And we can never forget the power we have in Jesus Christ. And as we live our life, and as we live out God's purpose and will for our life, we can never forget the authority we have in his name. And that you can rebuke the enemy, and he will flee, Scripture says. That that you are a part of the church that prevails at the gates of hell. That you are not just a created cherub, uh, a an angel, but rather you are made in his image and in his likeness and that you are, are fashioned not by accident but with purpose, that God does not make junk but makes beautiful things. And so we must never forget those things while also remembering that Satan hates you as much as Joseph's brothers hated him. That Satan would love nothing more than to destroy you as his brothers wanted to destroy him. He would love nothing to, to put out your purpose, just like Joseph's brothers wanted to extinguish his purpose by throwing him into the pit. And so in our story, we see Joseph's brothers sick of that dreamer. They were sick of... The dream, in fact. And they decided to rid themselves of that dreamer. Because for every dream, there is a thief of dreams. For every purpose, there is a thief that comes to steal, to destroy, to kill that which God is building and what God is establishing. For every promised reality, there is an illusionist that is prompting failure. The truth is this, that no good dream goes unchallenged. When it comes to this world and the realm of exploration, we can look around at new discovery and understand that it, it doesn't come without a challenge. People like Lewis and Clark, who crossed this continent, were met with challenge every day. The conquering of Everest, even now, it's been done many times now, but it comes with great challenge and sacrifice, and even to this day, lives that are lost, conquering that great challenge, landing a man on the moon. A couple weeks ago, we had the opportunity to visit NASA and heard of the challenges it is just to step out of the space shuttle for a moment and what a challenge it is just to shoot off into the galaxies out into out well we don't really go out into the galaxies yet but to just to shoot out into the atmosphere it all comes with great sacrifice and great challenge no good dream goes unchallenged for it was i heard a story recently it was john f kennedy of course who said that by the end of the decade we were going to land a man on the moon and that, that reality and that dream was not achieved by just one. He was touring NASA one day and ran into a custodian who was just doing some cleaning. And he, he was a little shocked that he was out doing some work while he was there. So he went right up to the man and said, you know, man, what are, what are you doing? And he, he said, Mr. President, I'm putting a man on the moon. And that's what it takes is is the body of Christ understanding that to go forward, we will be met with challenge. But it's up to us to go forward even when challenge comes. Name any great achievement and you will identify great opposition. Of course, I'm a sports fan. Every sports team that goes for a championship, great opposition at every level someone trying to further their education, they're always going to be met with opposition, whether it be cost, whether it be just the level of of knowledge that has to be understood. Every step up requires great challenge. As I said, leading someone to Jesus Christ, the most noble thing that someone can do, Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But who can testify it does not come without a challenge. Not a single good dream goes unchallenged. And Joseph was a dreamer. And he dreamed of the the sheaves of grain bowing to him. And he dreamed of the stars bowing to him. And he interpreted the dreams, of course, of the butler and the baker. He interpreted the two dreams of Pharaoh... But within these dreams was a single overriding dream. And it was God preserving his people. It was his God-given purpose. Overriding of all of these dreams that God had given him. It was this divine purpose. Because out of that was that future. That future, the future lion of the tribe of Judah. And so it took a man named Joseph that was able to take on challenge, but willing to step forward through the challenge, that was able to live through opposition while not compromising his ability to put one foot in front of the other. And he went through a lot. He experienced travesty and he experienced hurt and and pain that, that I can't imagine, yet He had a dream from God and he had a purpose. And so he never compromised his character and he continued going forward. He was a talented man, of course, and God's blessing was on his life, but he never sacrificed his character and God was able to use him and elevate him because his character aligned with his giftedness. And it's important as we walk in God's purpose and live out God's purpose that no matter how talented or capable that we are, no matter the gifting that God has given us, it's important that we never allow our character to live below it. Because your giftedness will take you places your character or bad character cannot sustain you. And so you have to have the character to stand stand strong even when the illusions of the enemy come at you. Even when lies and even when tricks and things come against you and are presented before you. You have to have the character to stand strong. God's dreams require a fight. And Joseph, he was a fighter, wasn't he? He fought his brother's jealousy. He fought the seducer's lie. He fought loneliness and rejection. He fought perhaps his own desire for vengeance. And so everything, everything he was meant to be required a fight. It required him to stand strong. And to go forward. Joseph had to fight for his dreams. And it's true that no soldier goes untested. And no believer goes untried. That all of us experience things. That come against us. And we have to be able to stand firm. And to go forward. That we are called to, to, not, to not fold up. To not give in or give up. And the enemy challenges us, and he will challenge the God-given dream the Lord has put in your life. He will challenge the purpose that God has given you. He will challenge that which God has put in you. The day you dream of being a person of prayer, you better get ready. You better get ready, because the enemy... The enemy of answered prayer will challenge you. And the day you decide that you're going to lead a personal Bible study or you're going to start a life group, you're going to do something to connect with someone and, 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 and take someone deeper in the Word of God, you better get ready because you're in for a fight. The day that you claim a promise from God, you have to be ready because the enemy will come to destroy In your mind, that which God is speaking to you. And and when you decide that you're going to live a more meaningful life for Jesus Christ, that you're going to step out of just existing and step into a purpose that God has given you, you've got to be ready. Because you will fight and fight and fight. I was telling someone today, I was talking to a student uh, that I've met at a at the local coffee shop and we were talking about this, the same thing that I I told them I've never experienced a year like I've experienced this year. Personally, me and my wife, we just laugh at each other now when something bad happens. I mean, we, the last month we've been out of our house. We got back in our house. We've had no air conditioning in our house, which now is okay because it's cold. But last week was really hot. Just picked up my car from the from the car shop today, because it was, had hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of, of repairs that had to be done. I mean, it's just one thing after another. And it's little things, but they add up. And when you decide that, hey, I'm gonna go forward in the call of God in my life, I'm gonna step into a, a, a new way of life that God is calling me to, you better be ready, because you will be challenged there's a fight. There's a spiritual fight. We talk, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, that the spiritual world is much more real than this physical world. And there is spiritual warfare happening every single day. So you better put on the whole armor of God and not take it off. Put it on and stand strong. Stand and not step back. But no good dream, it, 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 no good dream goes unchallenged. And your faith is going to be tested. When God challenges you and leads you into your next step, your faith will be tested. Your patience, it will be tried, and your heart sometimes is gonna feel like it's gonna break. There's going to be days and moments that you don't know if you can make it. That's why you have to hold on. That's why you have to to stand strong and not give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give in. Don't retreat, but stand and go forward. For Jacob, it was Jacob who suffered greatly from his son's deception. He was the only one in the family who believed. Who believed Joseph's dreams? The only one who celebrated Joseph's dreams. He tried to protect those dreams and he wrapped his son in a coat of many colors, the symbol, some say, a symbol of royalty. That became the focal point of Joseph's brother's illusion. So they returned it, of course, to their father, bloodied and torn. And like that, the enemy conjures illusions of failure. Can you see Jacob that day holding on to a bloodied coat? Holding on to that garment. Looking at it and making the assumption, what felt very real to him, that A wild animal killed my dreamer. That my dreamer is gone. He's absent. And only his torn, bloody coat remained. That's all he had. The evidence, the evidence, as you said, Brother Zelke, of an illusion. Something that he could feel. Something that felt very real. It looked real. It felt real. It was real to him. His son was God. But it was a lie. An illusion designed to trick him. And Satan, as I said, is that master illusionist who works to trick you and I. He works to deceive you and I with false perceptions of reality. He points at your sickness or he points to your neighbor's sickness and he says things like this, God doesn't heal. Just look. He points to your lost loved one and says, God doesn't care. He keeps you up at night Looking at your bank account, and says something like this See, God doesn't provide. He points to your mistakes and your shortcomings and says, Look at it. I want you to feel it and see it. And look, how can God love you? He's the grand illusionist, and He uses things that feel real and look real and seem real to torment our minds into a false belief and to accept the lie of the enemy but he is the father of lies scripture says everything that he speaks is false it is not true and jacob mourned for joseph is dead clinging to the bloodied garments, a failure, of loss. Jacob bought into the enemy's lie, into the illusionist's lie. He believed that God had failed, that the dream had died, that the future was bleak. How bad was that despair of Jacob? Genesis 37 tells us that he mourned for his son many days. Verse 35 says, and this is him speaking, he said, I will go down into my grave unto my son mourning. In other words, every day of my life, I'm going to mourn the loss of my son. And is there anyone in here that has ever believed a lie from the illusionists? that's ever felt it and seen it and held it and been around it so much that you bought into it, that it seemed so real that you couldn't escape it, that you could not identify it. It felt real. It looked real. But in the end, it was just a lie from the enemy. Have you laid down and quit trying because you believed what the enemy dangled in front of your face was inescapable? And if you felt that way, just be comforted because you are not alone. For all of us, I think, have been there. But also be inspired to know that you don't have to stay in that same place. That while we have been there, we don't have to remain there. Maybe we were in the cave, but there's a world outside the cave of purpose and meaning and beauty. There's a reality that's so much more real than life inside the cave. And so you, maybe you were in the cave and I was in the cave, but, but it's time for us to step out of the cave, out of the illusions, out of the lies into a reality that says that you are here and you are made in the image of God, that you are here for a purpose and, and God is for you and not against you, that that which is behind you is greater than that which is in front of you. No matter what the enemy tells you, we can remember that it's a lie. And we must remember that. We must Acknowledge that, that he is that father alive and if father of lies. And if he tells you you're going down, it means that you're going up. And that if he tells you that you are defeated, it means that you are winning the war. If he says that God doesn't care, then get ready because the greatest blessing is on the way. For everything he says is false. Jacob, unfortunately, didn't have the advantage of knowing the end of the story in real time. We can flip the pages of scripture and see that God was working, but he couldn't turn the page. He couldn't look into tomorrow, but while he was clinging to that torn, bloodied garment, weeping tears over a son that seemed dead, we read and we can turn the page. We can look at the end of the story and see that Joseph was very much alive. And Joseph, while experiencing a whole lot of things, was living in God's purpose. For later on, he would tell his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant actually for good. Faith says things to us like this. I do not believe what I see, but I see what I believe. I don't don't believe everything I see. But I know and I see with my faith eyes what I believe. What I believe today, I will see tomorrow. And what I can grasp by faith today, I will hold in my hands tomorrow. Faith does this. Faith rejects the seen unreal for the unseen real. In other words, that which seems unreal... It's very visible to us, isn't it? The things that seem unreal, we can see those things. They are very present. Who has some dreams and things and wishes that seem very unreal to you? Anyone in the room? Anything that God has laid on your heart that seems very unreal to you? Anything that God has has, has spoken to you in prayer that just... It seems like it's way too far out there. Anything? Those things are very visible to us. But the one who is very real to us is unseen. He is that invisible God who is very real. He is that God which is always there with us. And while we can see the mountain We don't see the mountain mover, but the mountain mover is very much real and is more powerful than the mountain. So put your faith in the one that you cannot see that is very real rather than that mountain which seems very real but in reality is very movable. Hebrews says that faith is that substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And Satan wants us to focus on the illusions, the things that look very real, those things that seem very real. But faith is the ability to focus on Jesus. Faith serves as a magnifying glass where we can focus on an object. And in the the periphery, it becomes hazy and blurry. That's what faith is. When we put our faith in Jesus, the, the circumstances become hazy and they become blurry. Well, at the same time, if we, if we focus on the other things, if we put our focus on everything else besides him, he becomes very fuzzy and becomes very blurry. So we have to keep our focus and that's what faith does. It it focuses, it focuses us on Jesus. And Satan tries to get our minds off God. He tries to get our mind off God. He tries to lure us from his word. Mark 4 and 15 equate Satan to the fowl of the air that snatches up the seed of God's word. And he desires to blind us and blind you and I with facades. He tries to put things in front of us that take our attention off of God. He wants to put the mountain in front of us rather than God in front of us. He wants to make that the focus for he is the grand illusionist. An illusionist put something in front of your eyes to distract you from what is actually happening in reality. The reality is that God is good and God is for you, that God is powerful and true and holy and righteous and he's a good God and he's a faithful God he's a God who heals a God who makes a way but the grand illusionist wants to put everything else in front of you to focus your attention on that which is secondary but that which is primary is Jesus and Jesus is the one true God who is greater than all every all things that could ever exist Faith is like an anchor. No matter what the waves are, no matter how high the waves rise, the anchor holds. And faith will hold you. No matter how strong the wind blows, the anchor will hold. And faith will hold you in those moments. Faith anchors you and I. Faith anchors us. For Jacob, once again who had bought into the illusion, who had bought, in, who bought into the lie, it took a lot to pull that bloodied garment away from his hands and for him to see again. When Joseph discovered from his brothers that Jacob, his father, was alive, what did he do? He told his brothers to go home And tell their father that he was alive. But he knew. He knew that his father was holding on. Maybe not in the physical. But in the mental and the emotional. And spiritual. He was still holding on to that bloodied garment. Torn apart by an illusion. So what did he do? Joseph sent Jacob wagons and wagons of supplies, Genesis 46 says. In fact, verse 26 says that they told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. This is them speaking to Jacob. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And it tells us that Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them, But it says this, that when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. What were those wagons? They were wagons of blessing. They were sustainability. They were blessings that were given in a dream years and years ago. There was a dream that God had given his son. And now Jacob as an old man is seeing the dream revived again. And I'm here to remind someone that the dream that the illusionist tried to take away from you is still very much alive. The dream that the illusionist tried to snatch from you and destroy is very much alive. And God's blessing and His goodness it will shatter every illusion. Every illusion from the enemy will be shattered by the goodness of God and by the blessing from God. And it was when he saw the wagons full of blessing that all of a sudden he said, you know what? (laughs) That false reality is that. It's a false reality. That which you which I believe for so long is not true. For God is good. And God is faithful. And what the enemy tried to destroy, he could not destroy. What the enemy tried to extinguish, he could not extinguish. Because it was a God-given dream. It was a God-given vision. It was a God-given purpose. And if you've been deceived before by the illusionists, if you have been deceived by Satan himself, I want to remind you that he cannot steal that which God has given you. If you give it to him, you can take it back. If you give it to Satan, it's still yours. He's just holding on to it. So take back that dream. Take back that purpose. Take back what the enemy, the illusionist, has tried to take from you. Floyd Patterson, some may know that name, but he was a heavyweight boxer, one of the greatest heavyweight boxers of all time. And it's not necessarily because that he was such a great puncher. I don't know if that's the right word. It was the fact that he always got back up when he got knocked down. In fact, there's a fight that he was knocked down seven times. And every time he got back up. His philosophy was this. This is a quote by him. I may, never, I may have been knocked out the most out of anybody. But I always got up the most. And it was because he got up the most that he's considered one of the greatest boxers of all time. And you may have been knocked down by an illusion. You may have been destroyed by a lie of the enemy. But you can get back up again. You do not have to stay down on the carpet, on the mat, on the floor. You can get back up again. The dream is still alive. The purpose that God has given you is still there. You can get back up and live it out. We have to cast down imaginations. We have to cast those things down and, and not allow those things to live in the mind, to live in the spirit. We have to let go. We've got to let go of the bloody coats. We've got to lay it down. And once again, remind ourselves that God is good and that he is faithful. And I just, in the spiritual, see wagons of blessings in this house tonight. Coming down the aisle, reminding us once again that God is still faithful to us. And that his word, he cannot lie. It is truth. And every word he's spoken to you, it is truth. He cannot lie. For he is the way, the truth, and the life. Satan is the father of lies. And while God gives dreams, Satan gives illusions. And I believe that the illusion in someone tonight is going to fade and someone's going to pick the dream back up again. In Jesus' name,